Blog Talk Radio. aircraft, and we're going to start the engines, take off, and get the show underway. So here are the sounds of a 757 engine start. You're clear to start, Eastern. Sounds like a good engine start to me. How about it, guys? Well, let me tell you, I, <laughs> I like to hear the 3350 starting yeah, a we'll little more than I did yet. It's more interesting. <laughs> well, let's hear the 757 liftoff here. Okay. <laughs> and we'll do the radio start next show. Okay. That's always followed by an Eastern commercial.
once upon a long time ago. And to share the good times today, we have with us Jim Holder, Captain Jim Holder up in the Atlanta area over in the Conyers area. Hello, Jim. How are you today, and how's the weather there? Doing fine. The weather's sort of drizzling rain. Uh Uh-oh. And uh, I'm glad you're feeling better today than you were yesterday. (laughs) Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. And we'll talk about that. And then we have up there in the Long Island area is uh, Captain Mike Scott. Hello, Mike. How are you, and what's the weather up there? Oh, hello, hosts and guests and all listeners and whatever else. It's uh, 76, 78 degrees and cloudy today. Great temperature. Great temperature. All right. And let's see. We've got Al Jenkins in Atlanta proper, I guess. Uh, Hello, Al. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, Raining, but doing fine. Okay. Atlanta, Georgia, rain. All right. All right. And then I think up in the hills of North Georgia, we have Bill Kennedy. Hello, Bill. How are you? I think it's Bill. Maybe it's not Bill. Eric Code 519. Who might that be? Oh, that's Renee in uh, London, Ontario. Oh, Renee. Hello, Renee. Yeah, How are you? After a long time. Yeah. Uh, have you been uh, feeling not so well or what? Well, I'm just busy uh, during the day on Monday, so I, I made an arrangement to be here to just listen in again. Okay, very good. Thanks so much. How's things in Canada? Uh, pretty good. We're still dealing with the uh, the COVID virus, uh, but everybody's getting the inoculations, and we, we're moving into uh, more normal days, but we don't expect that until maybe September. And also oh. the, the border at uh, Sarnia, the American border, that won't be open until August or, or September either, but we're getting back on track. Yeah, you, that's, a, I think, a good idea. And uh, Florida seems down here where I am in St. Uh, Augustine area. By the way, this is Neil Holland, producer of the show. Yeah. And uh, uh, we uh, become, once again, the hot spot, I think, of the nation. There might be a state or two that uh, is uh, also ahead of us, but uh, we're running close close by. People just don't get it. They just don't get the mm-hmm. idea that, this thing is around to stay, and it'll take advantage of us if uh, if we don't protect ourselves. And and I d- truthfully don't understand why people have such a hard time putting a mask on. It just, I, I it, what's the big deal? Long Ranger used the mask for years and years, <laughs> and he was very happy, and he protected everybody. Right. Now, Tom, Tom now, Tom how to keep reminding too, him. Yeah, Tano wasn't too smart. He didn't wear a mask. <laughs> Keep reminding the Lone Ranger. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, uh, yeah, this pandemic is just, just something else. It just wants to hang on. And there are variations of the uh, virus, I guess, that those people that are haven't been, uh, I think everybody on this show seems to have gotten the shots. You had yours, didn't yeah. you, Renee? Yeah, we've had both. Yeah, yeah. yeah Karen and I both got them in January and then the second one in February. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, but I don't know. They're just the people that just uh, want to. Uh, and and you know it's 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 tragic when you see the news, and um, a family member dies of it, and they're the ones that didn't wear the mask, didn't take the precautions, and and then they're really promoting it. But it takes a death to do that. To make people realize this mm-hmm. is this is a pretty vicious uh, virus. So. But at any rate, hey, you guys, got some good music for you, and uh, got some good recording artists. I think we have three different uh, artists we're going to play today, and uh, I've just got a few questions I wanted to put out there for you guys to think about. Unless Does anybody have a story wants to start off with one, a story or two of memories or, or whatever crossed your mind last week that you'd like to get out to the whole world by the way the whole world listens to us we have people checking in every week from russia and you name it from uh brazil peru uh, serbia uh, golly slovakia mm-hmm. denmark i can just go on and on uh, that listened to us last week and uh, so we're happy that people are listening to our radio show maybe it's just for the good music <laughs> and, uh, but i i want to say that stories too help people uh, come back and listen on Mondays at 1 p.m. So, uh, anybody thought of a story I want to mention today before we I throw out some questions for you guys to consider? Mm-hmm. Jim's got you. Got to get in, reach into your story bag. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what you don't want to do is have a kidney stone if you. Drink I think I drank the wrong kind of beer or something the last couple of weeks, but uh I had one yesterday and it knocked me down and stomped me, but I got up and made it out of the hospital, came home and now I'm feeling wonderful. Did they tell you, Jim, what a kidney stone is made out of? I mean, is it an actual stone? Well, it, I guess it looks like one on the uh on the cap because he said he saw it. And uh, he said it wasn't very big, thank goodness, and uh, he, picked, he felt it was going to get out of my system real quick, and it did. That's about all I know about a kidney stone, and I don't have any intention of reading anything about them, because I don't <laughs> want to have anything to do with them again. <laughs> if that hey, you, you, one, you, I they don't want up. a big one. <laughs> Al or Renee, have you guys had a kid, bout with kidney stones? Um, no. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. I well, don't know. I don't know. You know, there's some other unpleasant uh, illnesses that can pop up uh, without uh, you being aware of it. One of the worst, painful, most painful that I've had was about with gout, G-O-U-T, and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and boy, I tell you, uh, that thing hurt at the tip of my big toe. That's where it seems like mm-hmm. it wants to explode your <laughs> – and mm-hmm. uh, my wife, I remember when I first got it, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't touch it. And she, she went out and got a, uh, an ice bag and threw on top of it, and I almost went to the ceiling. And, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. just touching that sucker, that big toe, it would just uh, – uh, it was severe pain. And sciatica nerves, of course, is another painful uh, thing that has happened to me, even on an eastern flight, I recall that I had it so bad, and it was the way I was 
resting in San Juan, Puerto Rico. I uh, had a three-hour break before we turned around and came back to Atlanta, and I kind of propped my feet up on one set of chairs and leaned back in the other chair and slept for a couple of hours. And, boy, when I got up, it just my sciatica nerve was just, that was it. And I walked to the, and this is when we were had no jetways in San Juan. Do you remember those days? Airplanes were mm. parked out there on the ramp. And here the passengers were waiting to board the airplane, and I come walking across the the um, the the the, the, uh, the uh, pavement there, going to the airplane, and I actually fell to the ground. It it, mm. it pulled me right down to the ground. I picked myself up as and severely it was uh, and, and went up those stairs in pain, and uh, so it can hit you any any time. Yep, that's for sure. Well, if you want to hear it, I'll tell you another something. Another happened <laughs> to me. I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there holding in my hand a little plastic thing, and I'm looking at three tooth bridge that used to live in my mouth on the lower right hand side, and the middle <laughs> one broke off the root, and it got infected. And uh, long story, very short. Uh, they got in there with a something or some kind of chisel or electric thing grinding stone and they ground this thing out and took it out and they handed it to me and i'll tell you that was not a pleasant thing either and uh, mm. i no longer chew on the right hand side of my mouth i chew on the left hand side i probably Did had it? this bridge for 40 years 40 years at least but the middle wow. one broke off the root and then they had to almost do surgery to get that root out mm. But, uh, mm. there you yeah. go Okay. I really yeah. wasn't going to talk about my losing half of my teeth. But you wanted to hear it. <laughs> those are the those are the kind of the, those are the kind of days when you leave the dentist's office. They ask you for the armrest back again before you leave because you gripped it. You were holding on to them so hard. Well, I got to tell you, it didn't hurt that much, but it sure left a hole in my mouth. And and uh, the only thing I remembered was that guy. They didn't do anything except give me a bunch of shots, but. He was had this little drill-looking thing, a disc, and he was grinding it off. This bridge is actually a five-tooth bridge, but he just got out the middle part. I still got the tooth on each end, but uh, there was gold dust flying all over the place. And I, <laughs> I was trying to shut my eyes. I didn't want to become gold eye like Goldfinger. I was going to be gold eye, but uh, I guess I don't know. I didn't have any more trouble with that. I thought I'd, I said, "Are you going to give me the gold and everything?" And he said, "Yeah, I'll give it to you." And he put it in the bag, and I said, uh, he said, you can sell it if you want to, but I suggest you wear it as a necklace. And I told my daughter that I was going to make a necklace and wear this bridge around my neck, and she started throwing up. But uh, <laughs> a necklace of pain. Yeah. Oh. yeah. That's the end now, of that story. I'll, I'll apologize. Well, no, 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 no. That's always interesting. We like to talk about pain and things like that. Let's see. We got. See, that's, yeah. that's one nice thing about having false teeth. So you can just drop them yeah. off at the dentist and have them clean and pick them up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, we I just had a. close to that on the other side. We just had a, a, a caller from area code 516 who's at the other end of the line. George Jen. That's me, Neil. Hey, George. Good to hear your voice again. How are you? Got the fish hook out of his finger. (laughs) (laughs) What's been happening in your life? What's been happening in your life, George? 
Well, things have been pretty quiet, pretty quiet. Um, you know, it's been uh, really hot, as probably Mike told you, hot and humid up here, you know. Yeah. Well, are you still in your house, or did you sell it, or what? What's the deal? No, no, no. I, I, I decided not to sell, to keep it. In fact, the day we were supposed to close, I I called the uh, the realtor and the lawyers and told them, thanks, but no thanks, you know. Seller remorse. Hey, yeah, yeah, seller remorse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah 50, 50 years of memories. It's tough to walk away from. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I know you just didn't want to take all that stuff and put it in a moving truck and store it and look for a house and all the pleasant things that you have to do when you sell your house. And then nowadays, George, you can't understand. Of course, I'm in real estate, but I understand you can't even find a replacement house nowadays. Well, actually, I, I I found a place that I thought was nice about a 30-minute ride from here. But, you know, it was on the water like my home is. But it, I don't know. It was just it, – it, it wasn't worth it just to go a half hour away for all the hassle and everything. And uh, yeah. I think yeah. – I never got an engineer in there, but I think the place needed a lot of work, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, George was about to he was about to make a bad decision. He wanted to pick uh, take a nice house on the North Shore with Long Island, which is nice, and change it for one on the South Shore, which is not so nice. So he made a well, good then, decision. Well, <laughs> well, I never realized that because I lived here for 50 years. But Mike is absolutely correct, you know. Big difference. Well, I think uh, probably you just wanted to be for a while there, a southerner like Jim and Al and myself are. <laughs> the southern shore. Southern, yeah, southern shore person. Yeah. yeah. There's a whole new language there. There you well, go. Well, let's see if you guys can identify my first artist and the song that I like very much. Make the world go away. From what Jim Holder would say. And get off my shoulders. Say the things you used to say. And make the world go away. Do you remember? me astray If you do then forgive me and make the world go away Make the world go away And get off my shoulders sorry if I hurt you. I'll make it up day by day. 
Just say you love me like you used to And make the world go away Recorded in the sixties, I bet. Yeah, in the sixties, yeah. And that was uh, Eastern years for uh, most of us. Were around mm-hmm. during that time when Eddie was very popular. And uh, uh, some of the things I wanted to throw out there, and perhaps if you can't think of a story, you can uh, tell us about. Um, what was one of your favorite vacations that you took using an Eastern pass or an Eastern agreement with another airline? Uh, I, I remember that uh, my wife and I, back in the mid seventies, uh, took uh, air Canada from Montreal. I think it was Montreal. It might've been Toronto, but I believe it was Montreal uh, over to Germany and uh, had a great, great time. And, and uh, it was, gee whiz, I think the charge was like uh, $25 or something like that for past processing or something like that. And yeah, matter of fact, I gave my Eastern card to the flight attendant and asked him if they would take it up to the uh, front and, and just introduce that I was sitting back here in the, in the tourist section on about five seats and I was in the middle of the five seats and see if I could get myself <laughs> up to the front. And by golly, that business card that I had worked because I was invited mm. to come up to the flight deck. And um, mm. it was a D- DC-10, DC-10. And um, I believe Air Canada flew the DC-10s, didn't they, Renee? Uh, not the DC-10s. Well, it was they something like elect- a DC-10. Maybe the uh, A300? Yeah, well, this was back in the 70s. In the 70s, and, yeah. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Of course, you weren't with Air Canada, you were with Eastern, but I thought maybe working out uh, with yeah. Eastern, you might have you might have seen the Canadian maple leaf on the back. But um, mm-hmm. that was a that was a great trip for us, and and that's one of yeah. the things that Eastern uh, that one of the benefits that we got. How about you guys? Well, well I've got two well, stories for you. Now. All right, George, let's hear George's. Okay, well, there uh, there's a group that I belong to of single people. Now that I'm single after 48 years of marriage, and uh, they they had up until the uh, pandemic started, they had a dance every Friday night at the Elks Lodge in Massapequa, New York. So I went down there with this lady that I, I was seeing, and 
and I'm still sitting now. I'm seeing another lady, and we went there again last week. But long story short, I walk in and the DJ, his first name is Ray. I don't know his last name, and he he says, Captain George, Captain George, how the hell are you? And I I didn't recognize him, but he was a a baggage handler at the shuttle, and we used to play. You know, when I bid, oh, I bid. I with my great seniority, I would fly shuttle standby. And, you know, after you got done doing your revisions, we would play cards, and I would play cards with this guy and the other guys. So you talk about it being a small world. I mean, it's just unbelievable, you know. Well, uh, I can talk about uh, an ATA, Neil, after Easton. I had my road passes at Easton, but all the way around the United States and Mexico and all that. But, But the longest one that I remember the most was when I was at ATA. And we had an agreement with American and Kerry, who I had been seeing for two or three years, had never been to Europe or anything. And so I got her a pass from a reduced rate from Atlanta to Chicago to Frankfurt. And then we drove all over around France and Germany and just had a great ball for about two or ten days. And she still uh, – and that was the 90 90- because it just had the 50th anniversary of D-Day. And we that's one of the main places I wanted to go where we went down to uh, to uh, the beaches and everything and looked around, and that was really something. That was the, my, my, far and away the best trip I ever made as far as a vacation goes. And, boy, did we take video everywhere. With my son's video camera, uh, we video, video, video. And when we got back, he told sent me a Message, I hate to tell you this, but none of the videos came out at all, and we were just sick. But uh, still, we got to be there. Did I well, I have a, a, a memorable <laughs> pass ride. It was uh, I flew on, of course, on Eastern when they were started to fly mm-hmm. out to California, and I visited a friend of mine out there. So I took my family out to uh, to Disneyland. Disney World, Disneyland, I guess it is out there, and uh, had a nice uh, week and a half vacation out there, and came back, and everything they treated us good on the flight, and the flight attendants, and nice flight all the way out, and all the way back, and everything, and ticket counter, they did fine, and upgraded us, and got us all sitting together, and all of that, and everybody was happy as hell, and I came, got back home, and two weeks later, my wife's so gave me uh, uh, summoned me with the divorce papers. So that was a memorable oh. moment. She <laughs> got. <laughs> oh. she wanted to get oh, that life God. vacation in, huh? I guess so. <laughs> hey Neil, I, I I got one for you. When um, I don't know if you remember, Eastern used to fly nonstop from Kennedy uh, to St. Martin. So uh, every year when my kids were off from school in the middle of the winter for a week by my wife and I and the three kids, we'd uh, jet off to St. Martin and we always got first class seats out of Kennedy. It was great. And, um, but we, we decided we didn't want to stay on the Dutch side of the Island. So we went on the French side, I rented a car, we drove over there and we passed a, a really nice hotel on the water on the French side. So it was called Marina Grand Coste. So we go in there and, you know, register, and the guy gave us an airline, gave me an airline discount and all of that. So one night he said, you know, I know some really good restaurants 
over here. Why don't, why don't you and your wife and your kids come on out uh, to dinner with my wife and I? I said, sure. So we go out to dinner, and we're talking at, at dinner time, and it turns out, I mean, you talk about it being a small world. It turns out that his wife was a, uh, a, a, a bridesmaid in my mother-in-law's wedding in Brooklyn back God knows when. Oh, and my you God. talk about it being a small world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and we, we, went, we went down there every winter until, in their infinite wisdom, you, uh, Eastern dropped that route and gave it over to America. Yeah, yeah. Well, how about it, Al? Did you take any past trips and did you enjoy it? Uh, Al Jenkins, you still with us? I think he's on a pass ride right now. I yeah. think he is. Oh, he just <laughs> dropped off. He he's, uh, has business that he does. And Renee, how about you? Well, it's a really silly one. When I was brand new at Eastern, one of my first trips, they had the ETC, the Eastern Travel Club. So yeah. I bought a ticket through the Eastern Travel Club. I went to Miami. I had booked the the Bell Harbor Hotel, and I had not traveled very much at all. I went into the hotel, checked in, and they took me up to my room, opened the door, and I walked in, and there were two king size or double beds anyway. And I said, oh, my God, they gave me the wrong room. I'm only a single. <laughs> so I got over that. Well, I thought maybe you were an active single. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know I got a room. What is going on here? They made a mistake. Oh, he was man. giving you the benefit of the doubt. There you go. Yeah, there you go. I remember at the Crossways Motel down there, they used to give favorite, their favorite friends the favorite room. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember that down in Miami, the Crossways, Jim, and uh, yeah, George and Lord. Mike. Yeah. God, uh, the vibrating, we won't get into the vibrating that. vibrating bed and the red lights. We, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey let's, before we do that, let's, let's listen to this next song here and see if uh, it might be... Uh, uh, one back in the Eastern music days. Well, life on the farm is kind of laid back. Ain't much an old country boy like me can't have. Early to rise, early in a sack. I thank God I'm a country boy. Well, a simple kind of life never did me no harm. Raising me a family and working on the farm. Days are all filled with an easy country charm. Thank God I'm a country boy. Well, I got me a fine wife, I got me old fiddle When the sun's coming up, I got cakes on the griddle Life ain't nothing but a funny, funny riddle Thank God I'm a country boy When the work's all done and the sun sets low Pull out the fiddle and the rods up the bow Kids are asleep, so I keep a kind of old. And thank God I'm a country boy I'd play Sally Gooden all day if I could But the Lord and my wife wouldn't take it very good So a fiddle when I can, work when I should And thank God I'm a country boy Hungry fool, rather have my fiddle and my farm and tools. Thank God I'm a country boy. 
driving in a black limousine. A lot of sad people thinking that's somebody keen. Son, let me tell you now exactly what I mean. I thank God I'm a country boy. Well, I got me a fine wife. I got me old fiddle. When the sun's coming up, I got cakes on the riddle. Life ain't nothing but a funny, funny riddle. Thank God I'm a country boy. Yeah. But my daddy till the day he died And he took me by the hand Held me close to his side Said live a good life Play my fiddle and cry And thank God you're such a boy Well my daddy taught me young How to hunt and how to whittle Taught me how to work and play a thing on a fiddle Taught me how to love and how to give just a little And thank God I'm a country boy Well I got me a fine wife I got me old fiddle When the sun's coming up I got cakes on the riddle Life ain't nothing but a funny funny riddle I'm a country boy, yeah. A lot of knee in there. Yeah, who yeah, was that? Toe jumping, yeah, for everything. And who was the singer? And John Denver. John Denver. Denver. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I thought everybody knew him. This is one of his early. <laughs> All right. You know, since we've been talking about traveling and everything and how we had to dress, as we all know, as with the C3 Pass, if we, we had to dress to the nines. And um, mm-hmm. the kids really enjoyed that, especially you know having to put on a coat and a tie and and long pants and and the, the girls' uh, dresses in those days. And of course, the mom and dad had to dress up as well. And everybody knew those people standing around in suits and everything must be <laughs> Eastern employees. But uh, mm. once you get on that airplane and you were given perhaps the only seats available were in the back back there, sometimes the flight attendants would be very, uh, very um, uh, friendly and say, hey, you want to ride up here in the first class? We got a couple of seats. So how did uh, mm-hmm. do you remember the flight crew or the cabin crew and how, how you were treated as a pass rider? Did you ever have any special favors given to you, you know, like? Good meals and yes. extra drinks. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I went to Germany when my son was first there flying helicopters for the Army, and I went over on TWA and came back on TWA. And coming back, it was an early morning takeoff, and I got on. And I guess I don't know why, but the uh, senior flight attendant was a guy, and uh, he said something about me being a pass rider. And I said, well, yes, I am, you know, and I'm happy to go where And they had me sitting in coach, of course. And he said, well, won't you just come sit up here in first class? And it was a 10-11. So I sat there, and by the time we got to New York, I couldn't walk. Man, they just loaded <laughs> me up with wine and, oh, man, champagne. And that was probably one of the best ridings I ever had was TWA from Frankfurt to Kennedy. Oh, and... and they made they got me drunk. <laughs> well, that didn't take too much, right? No, we all get that way. <laughs> How about it, George? Oh, did you get don't. any special treatment, George? What's that, Neil? Did you get any special treatments pass riding? I did. I did. Um, when my kids were pretty young, I uh, rented a house in Munich for a month, and uh, actually swapped. Swapped houses with the fellow who lives over there, him and his, him and his wife, and um, we went over there on Lufthansa from Kennedy, 
and uh, get on the airplane and said hello to the flight attendant and showed him my Eastern ID. I said, you know, say hello to the front end crew for me. So we had uh, five seats together in the back of the airplane. I believe it was a DC-10. I don't really remember. But um, anyway, she came back a few minutes later and said, well, Captain, I forget his name, but he said he'd like to see you up in the cockpit. You can come up. And she said we have uh, five seats for your family in first class, which was really nice, you know. Mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah. Boy, that was nice. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah. We had a had a great month, great month during the summer in uh, Munich. It was nice, except my kids didn't speak any German, and uh, but they it was amazing because they had <clears throat> they were pretty small. Uh, I guess they were like maybe seven and eleven and twelve, but they had three bicycles there, so the kids found their way all around Munich on the bicycles because they had bike lanes. And uh, that's what they did for a month. You know, they rode around on on their bicycles, got to know the city pretty well. Yeah. While you were in a Huffbrow house. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, right. That's true. (laughs) Renee, 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 how did uh, did some of the Canadian airlines treat the Eastern employees? Did you you do any traveling uh, inter-country? Uh, yeah, we uh, used to have a interline uh, softball tournament uh, from all over North America. We had teams coming into Toronto, and one time we got a trip to Vancouver with Canadian at the time, and it was canceled. So Bob and I, we were working at Eastern, and we took Canadian, uh, Toronto to Winnipeg to Calgary and to Vancouver, and we got upgraded. <laughs> we got upgraded on the way back. We got home when we were five pounds heavier. We all got first class all the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. They they really the flight attendants really did great uh, when they realized that you were uh, an Eastern employee, and we had so many of them, especially with my children flying, and um, even with my wife, uh, who didn't like to fly, but uh, kind of forced her since we had a son out in California that was in the Marine Corps, and uh, he was assigned uh, uh, 29 Palms. Now, of course. Not many airlines flying at 29 Palms, none that I know unless it was a Marine airplane because that's the big Marine base there at 29 Palms. But um, we had some great, great flight attendants that uh, treated us real well when we went out on pass riding out to see see him out there. So Eastern uh, had a good reputation with the other airlines, thankfully. I've run out of stuff to say here. Do I need to put another record on? Yeah. Hey, listen, you know, having a radio show and being a disc jockey of sorts, uh, since this is not just a musical show, but uh, I would, I think that would have been my second calling, would be a producer or a DJ that I could just sit there and spin records all day long. Uh, because uh, I thought, these DJs, when they do spend these records, you suppose they choose records that kind of have meaning uh, about their own lives. And so I kind of started looking for a record that reflected that, and I came up with this one. He kisses her goodbye and heads for the radio station. 
Oh, he hates to leave her, but he's got another show to do. He knows she gets lonely, so he lets her know he's thinking about her. And though millions are listening, she knows who he's talking to. Come and do you lie like I do every night from the heart of your radio. I play a little sad and I play a lot of glad and a few old cheap songs. There's open everybody out in radio land finds a love just as true as mine. Good night, angel. Sleep tight, darling. She's laying in bed as her DJ tells her that he loves her. It would break his heart if he knew she wasn't there alone. She knows when to cheat and when to tell her lover to leave her. She knows they'll be safe just as long as his show goes on. He planned a surprise for the night of their first anniversary. He taped his show just so he could be home with her. Uh-oh. The radio was playing, and as he walked in on her, her lover, he heard himself saying the last words that they ever heard. Coming to you live like I do every night from the heart of your radio. I play a little sad and I play a lot of glad and a few old cheese songs. Here's open everybody out in radio land finds a love just as true as mine. Good night, angel. Sleep tight, dark. Close your pretty brown eyes When the show is over Your radio lover Will be home by your side Yeah, boy, he pulled one on her. <laughs> oh, George, yeah, that's right. Nothing, Joel, like, Joel. nothing beats the sound of a of the of a twelve gauge pump. <laughs> yeah, George Jones, you're right, George. George Jones, Jones you're, that's right. He, yeah. I recognize him. Oh, of course, he's right. I'd never heard that song before, though. I don't think. Yeah, I played I it once before, several years ago, and mm. uh, <clears throat> I liked it. Yeah, pretty good. Well, mm. I got one so more we question. What's that? I was going to say we ought to play records for just strictly for audiences that have all timers, so all all the records are new. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. About that. oh golly! Well, here's one. I think uh, probably it's happened to all of us. Uh, tell us 
uh, about your longest flight delay as a crew member or as a pass rider? Oh, golly. Longest? Well, I got a good I, I had a good right, George, if you let's hear it. Okay, well, uh, I used to fly a trip that went from LaGuardia to uh, Montreal, and then Montreal back to LaGuardia and on to New Orleans, where we had a uh, a long layover at the uh, what, what was that hotel we stayed? The Royal Sinesta. Royal Sinesta. And mm-hmm. yep. yeah, so it just so happened it was during Mardi Gras, so I was looking forward to it. It was about an eighteen-hour layover down there. Ooh, yeah. So we yeah. took off. We took off from LaGuardia, and we were headed to uh, Montreal, and then we turned around, coming back to LaGuardia. And dispatch called and said that there was a blizzard on the way in New York and to overfly and go to New Orleans. And they call us when uh, we could come home. So anyway, we went to New Orleans, wound up having a three-day layover during the middle of Mardi Gras at the Royal oh, Fiesta. God. Mm. You run out of money? <laughs> I did. I did. I had to put everything on my credit. I had to be careful what I put on my credit card. Yeah. You know? yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why well, couldn't it, that? That might have been Las Vegas, huh? That, either one of them would be pretty bad to uh, have a three-day layover. <laughs> yeah. Well, during Mardi Gras, it was uh, yeah, also that's pretty right. raunchy, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had my best Mardi Gras layover with George Griner. He was a captain and I was co-pilot. Uh, Seven twenty-seven four. I checked out. And George, I forgot. George. Yeah, George. George. Not George. Justin Griner. Oh, Justin. Yeah. Well, it was George yeah. was the captain too. He was a chief pilot. Oh yeah, I know he was chief pilot, but it was Justin Griner. Yeah. Justin. Okay. Yeah. yeah. As a matter of fact, I I don't know whether I told you this, Jim, but we had that REPA convention and it was over there in Alabama that uh, Fairhope, I think, convention. Fairhope. Yeah. And I had called Justin. Somebody gave me his phone number, and I, I talked to him for a long time, and and asked him if he uh, would be available to come to the Reaper convention. And he said, mm-hmm. Yeah, but he didn't have any any means of uh, of getting there. And uh, he was up in age, of course. That's was just a few years mm-hmm. back. And mm-hmm. so I said, Well. If you're feeling up to it, dear, uh, you know, before the convention, I'd be happy to drive over to New Orleans and pick you up. And he was living in a little house in the, those days and by himself. And um, and uh, I called him before the convention, and he decided that uh, he didn't didn't feel like he could make the trip. So, uh, mm. but uh, living all was, by himself. Uh, yeah, he, yeah. The, yeah. Tired a while. That, that that doesn't sound very good. No, I know it. He lived right there, right off Bourbon Street, uh, right right mm. around the corner. I forgot the name of that street. Royal, I think it was Royal Street. Mm. And um, he had a condo there, or apartment, or house, or whatever they call those things behind uh, mm. those ugly doors. But they were really pretty. As a matter of fact, I, he took us up there and. He was staying with someone at the time, and um, we had a few drinks, and then and then went to the Mardi Gras festival. Can't think of who the second officer was, but uh, but at any rate, those were those were good days. Well, anybody else have anything they want to contribute? Mm. 
Mm. Well, I'm trying to stretch it out to the end, but I may be having to hang up a little bit early, Neil. Okay. Well, the end's coming as soon as the talk. Well, and okay. it's right. we got a, be- a beeline for the bathroom. Yeah, okay. well, let's see. The show's, the show's canceling now. No, here's – I want to play this song before we leave. See if you can okay, tell Okay, I'll that. hang in here. All right. To me, my little chickadee, cause I think it's time you knew that you're the kind of gal I've had in mind, and I want to play house with you. Bought the ring, took care of everything, and I'm ready to say I do. You'll be the mama, and I'll be the papa, cause I want to play house with you. Washington, 
routes to Florida, the Caribbean, and Mexico, and the launching of the Boeing 727 and 757 Eastern was also a launch customer of the Lockheed L-1011 TriStar and introduced the Airbus to America, the A300B, the world's first wide-bodied twin-engine aircraft in the United States. During its storied life, Eastern cared for numerous, or cared for, yes, numerous celebrities aboard its famous restaurant flights, complete with Rosenthal China, laden with sumptuous food and accompanied by beverages. The future president, John F. Kennedy, was photographed being boarded on a stretcher on an Eastern constellation at Logan Airport, attended faithfully by Eastern stewardesses. First Lady Jackie Kennedy chose Eastern to fly to Acapulco, while Babe Ruth and Muhammad Ali were frequent customers. The list is endless. In 1973, President Richard Nixon awarded Eastern service to the Caribbean Islands with its acquisition of Carabair. The airline created a luxury hotel affiliation with Lawrence Rockefeller in Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands through Rock Resorts. In addition, Eastern laid the foundation for airport security as we know it today and supported troop movements during World War II and Vietnam. Eastern was the official airline of Walt Disney World. This unique book features many other significant events written by former Eastern employees and friends of the airline joining together again to record for posterity their fond remembrances of the airline. Wonderful photographs from Eastern's archives, as well as those shared by those who wrote about their experiences with the airline, provide the perfect complement. Among the more than 70 stories in this book are recollections about the people who built Eastern, including Captain Eddie Rickenbacker, Floyd Hall, Captain Dick Merrill, CFO Charlie Simons, Vice President Russ Ray, and President Sam Higginbottom. In addition, are stories about Eastern's transition from props to the jet era, the fate brought on by deregulation, numerous hijackings and tragic accidents, including the first fatal accident of a wide-bodied airliner, Flight 401, in the Everglades. Also included are recollections of the inauguration of Eastern's Latin American and London routes. Finally, the personal recollections of flight attendants, pilots, and rank-and-file employees from a variety of departments and job functions are featured, many of which have never been previously told. This book is dedicated to all those Eastern Airline employees who, despite the suffering caused by the often adversarial relationship between the workforce and management during its last years, maintains such a high degree of camaraderie that retiree organizations such as EARA, REPA, and the Silverliners continue to thrive today, 25 years after the bitter shutdown of service. Of course, now it's been more than 25 years, but at any rate, I've got 10 of these books left, brand spanking new with a beautiful cover jacket that I just read you, the inside flaps of uh, this uh, dust cover. It's a coffee table book. And I'll send it out to you for $25. So there you go. All you have to do is just uh, 
contact me at EALradioshow.com, EALradioshow.com, and say, Neil, send me one of these books out. If you haven't gotten it, it's a beautiful book, and there's some great stories in them. And uh, I think, Jim Holder, you contributed to one of the stories. Uh, I know the publisher of the book called me and asked me if I could recommend some stories. And, of course, I told him that the great stories that were in the magazines published by the Retired Eastern Pilots Association would be worthy of a beautiful book like was finally published. So there you got it. So that's my story, and I'm going to stick with it, and we're going to close it out right about now with with Merle Haggard singing, guess what? Silver Wings. Silver Wings. Let's go out on Silver Wings. Here we go. And I got a doctor's appointment in about one hour. See you next week, guys. Good luck. Silver wings shining in the sunlight, roaring engines steady somewhere in the flight. They're taking you away, leaving you Left me standing here behind Silver wings Shining in the sunlight Roaring engines Headed somewhere in flight They're taking you away I hope you guys have a great weekend, or week, next week, or this week. I'm not saying, we just started this week. Good luck at the doctor's office. All right, thanks a lot. It's just a test. Okay. I'm not pregnant. (laughs) Hopefully not.